This morning is talked about we're in the second week of Advent, talking about peace. And I wonder for you this morning, how you celebrate this season in your household, in your family, and those in your life. We had a few this morning who were here wearing Christmas jumpers. There's a few people who are kind of getting famous or infamous around this place. Every week during Advent, kind of they up the ante of their Christmas attire. I know for us and our, I don't know if you have that, us and our family, we've kind of negotiated between us. We, while some of us would like it to be earlier, we've just committed to December 1st is when the Christmas tree goes up and the Christmas decorations. I don't know if you have similar negotiations. I know some, yeah. In this place we've got people that's like, man, if we could start Christmas in October, let's go for it. And some of us it's like, can we just like keep it till as late as we can? kind of, yeah, there we go today. When's the time to put on the Christmas carols? And, and yeah, I, even thinking around Advent calendars, I've been noticing over the last few years just the increasing intensity around Advent calendars. I know for me as a child, the only Advent calendars I was aware of were either ones that had tiny pieces of really bad chocolate or nothing at all. But noticing like, oh man, it seems like Advent calendars for any kind of any consumable, anything that you might have an unhealthy attachment to. Like I know for me, the local cafe I go to does a a coffee advent calendar. Hey, you can have a different coffee from around the world each day through advent. Our local place that sells beer and alcohol down the road does an advent calendar with different beers or different whiskies through the season. It's just, you can get advent calendars for cheese, advent calendars for perfume, like whatever you want, you can just consume it during this season. So in the midst of this, I want to bring for us this morning the word from the Gospel of Mark that maybe, hopefully, we can see how the Gospel writers might speak about how we engage in the season. So if you've got a Bible with you on your phone or if you've got a Bible, um, maybe the green one, I'll invite you to open up to Mark chapter one. In the green Bibles, it's page 699. And we're gonna read the opening words that Mark offers. The beginning of the good news about Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. A voice of one calling in the wilderness. Prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight paths for him. And so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him. Confessing their sins, they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. John wore clothing made of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist and he ate locusts and wild honey. And this was his message. After me comes the one more powerful than I, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Friends, this is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So here we get in our passage this morning who kind of church tradition talks about as the voice of Advent, John the Baptist. He's the one who we look to as the season, in this season as the voice for it. And it's a bit of an unusual odd season sitting with John the Baptist for us as the church because it stands in 
quite a contrast to probably the figure who our culture, the world around us sits with us in the season. Santa Claus. I know for us as a family, we've got our Christmas photos booked in this afternoon, 4 p.m. We'll take the kids, sit on Santa's lap and take a nice photo. I don't know if your imaginations of Santa Claus, this kind of cheery, happy, older man who just kind of all the Christmas just goodness surrounds. You can imagine your smells of like cinnamon and warm baking and just this niceness of like, oh, this is just good and warm and happy. And then if you sit with that man, with this man, I've got a picture, John the Baptist. Quite the contrast. If you want to go a couple of slides. This man, I wish I could convey to you the more the picture, kind of the contrast of this. This is a man who wore camel's hair, lived in the desert. He's not a man I imagine many of us would feel comfortable sending our children to sit on his lap. I imagine he would have quite a different aroma emanating from him. Not just his body, but this story says he ate locusts. This is a man whose breath, I imagine, was pretty, pretty harmful. But he's the man we're invited to sit with. And this morning I want us to sit with this man, John the Baptist, because I think he invites us to something of the depth of the season. That I, In this, I don't want us to get the sense of we're just Christmas Grinches, of let's not be positive and happy and engage in the festive cheer around us. But instead, I think John leads us to a deeper peace, a deeper encounter with Christ than maybe is off, on offer around us. That these advent calendars that are going out of control in our world. Traditionally, these were like, you get a little bit of chocolate. It's just a tiny foretaste of the feast to come. But now they kind of represent this light. You just feast every day. And John the Baptist comes and says, no, this, this is not a season yet of feasting. This is a season of fasting. And there is goodness to be found in the midst of that. And John is someone, as our passage read this morning, who was predicted that the prophets before said, hey, there is going to be someone to come who will prepare the way for the Messiah, prepare the way for the advent of Christ. He is coming, and John is, John is that man. Jesus also quotes, not just Mark in this passage, Jesus himself quotes Malachi, and saying, hey, John was predicted. And he was called Elijah, kind of this Elijah returning, this prophet that is going to come and prepare us for Jesus' coming. John comes in the tradition of the prophets of the Old Testament, the prophets who prepare us for God's coming and what that might look like. Isaiah gives an image for us as he predicts John's coming, he gives an image of what when Christ comes it will look like. In Isaiah chapter 2 he says, In the last days, the mountain of the Lord's temple will be established as the highest of the mountains. It will be exalted above the hills and all nations will stream to it. Many peoples will come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the temple of the God of Jacob. He will teach us his ways so that we may walk in his paths. The law will go out from Zion, the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He will judge between nations and will settle disputes for many peoples. They will beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will not take up sword against nation, nor will they train for war anymore. Come, descendants of Jacob, let us walk in the light of the Lord. 
This is the message given of awaiting our God coming that John is also preparing us for. That John is predicting, he said, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. A voice of one calling in the wilderness. Prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight paths for him. That John is this prophetic figure for us. And when you think about the role of the prophets in scripture, they kind of fulfill two, they kind of do two things. Kind of the obvious known one of this foretelling of this prediction of the future events like Isaiah does here hey when God comes this is what it'll look like but they also kind of this foretelling prediction but they also do what's kind of called this foretelling or this proclamation which is actually calling out God's truth onto the present moment if there's this vision of what the future is going to look like they call to how does the present compare to that how close or often how far away are we from the image of God and his kingdom on earth? And this is what John does for us. He functions in this role of saying, Jesus is coming. I want to make the path straight, which is a sense of, I want the sense of the kingdom that he's coming. I want it as our world, our experience, us as a people to be as aligned as possible with that now. That the goal of making the path straight that John calls us into is the sense of, hey, when Jesus' kingdom comes, it's going to bring peace, it's going to bring restoration, it's going to be healing, it's going to be hope. As his people, we can be part of that now. We can experience that, that now. We can bring that into our world now so that when Jesus comes, there's a sense of a straight path of alignment that he wants to call us into. Because ultimately, the prophets say, hey, when Jesus comes, we want the sense of alignment. Because when Jesus comes, the scriptures say, he's the light of the world. And we know what light does. It reveals. It makes known that where there is darkness, when the light of the world comes, it will show out what is happening. John the Evangelist says this in his gospel about Jesus coming. He says, this is the verdict. Light has come into the world but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. The season of Advent is a season of fasting or a season of preparation for Christmas of like, Jesus is coming, are we ready? The light of the world is coming and is going to reveal all. Are we ready for like the stuff of our lives to be revealed? The hidden things? Like, are we ready for that stuff to come out? For us, we've experienced this in a super practical way in our lives. We had a house inspection this week at our house. We seem to get them more regularly than I like. But every time they come, they're kind of this reminder of like, oh yeah, like the state of our house and how we look after it. And often it's after I get the email of like, hey, in seven days we're coming around to check the condition of the house. You kind of, I don't know about you, my eyes open up to all the things that I've missed or haven't noticed or probably ignored. 
since the last one, like the weeds that have sprung up. Suddenly we're spotting like spots where the kids have drawn on the walls that we haven't noticed that we suddenly need to figure out how to get rid of. There's a sense of when there's this coming judgment of like, oh, actually, yeah, I better do some self-examination. Not just of the physical, but it's like, oh, when Jesus comes, he's in preparation. Let's examine the state of our world, the state of our relationships, the state of our soul. Are we ready for his return? It's this invitation to notice those areas that we ignore maybe or we turn away from naturally. That the season where the tendency is to put up lights and turn the music up, to jump into party and festivities, Advent is a season to say, actually, let's enter into fasting and notice that stuff. Fleming Rutledge, a great preacher theologian on this topic talks around when she preaches around advent stories and when she talks about advent stories she took she pulls stories out of her neighborhood out of her newspaper out of tv news stories that acknowledge and notice those areas of brokenness in our world this is a season to notice that stuff to be attuned to the suffering of our world, to actually, rather than turn up the distraction, to turn it down and be aware of it. That this time of year, some of us turn up all the Christmas stuff and like put on the nice things. For some of us, it's just busy, all the events. And the season of Advent is like, hey, actually, this is an appropriate time to examine our world and your life and see what God might want to do on that. So one example I found this week of some Advent stories was just flicking on my phone, I took a screenshot of some news articles on a new website that highlight the difference, I think, of Advent and then maybe when we jump too early into Christmas. So these are some of the news items of what's been happening in our nation of recent. Firstly, this death of this child, this infant. That then the story comes out, hey, this isn't the first time even for this family that there's been this experience. Lower down, this worker who was accused of illegally accessing databases. This driver bitten after fleeing police when his car broke down. This paroled murderer banned from Palmerston North. This sense of this is a season to notice that stuff of like, man, our world isn't right. It isn't as it should be. The light of the world is coming and this is the stuff that we see around us. And if you flick to the next one, this is, I think, what we can easily jump into. Two items in the middle. All I want for Christmas is great skin and the ultimate wellness gift guide for Christmas. And I think if we jump to that, we miss something of the work that Jesus wants to do in and through us. Let us sit in the season of Advent with the stories of Advent, the stories of brokenness in our world and see what God might want to do in it. And I think in terms of a vision of what Jesus might call us to do, to be a people preparing for this. Jesus talks about this in multiple places, but the one I want to highlight this morning is just the message he gives in the Sermon on the Mount and how he opens it. That who are the blessed people in his kingdom? This is a signal for us of like, oh, this is who we're called to be. And I just want to read through it. Blessed are the poor in spirit. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. I wonder this year, as I was preparing this, thinking, I wonder for some of us, if we took a moment, or maybe you've already done, to reflect over 2023, 
it's just been a rough year. You're coming to the end being like, man, I am bruised, I am battered, I am hurt. There are some wounds here. And the invitation of Advent is like, before you put up the lights, turn up the music, maybe just sit in that. Knowing that it's for for those of us in those spaces that Jesus says, for yours is the kingdom of heaven. That I want to come and comfort you. That while the temptation might be to go to those quick and easy fixes, there's something far more profound and deep that I want to do in this season. They're like the woman in the well story where she just wants water and just says, no, that'll only satisfy you for the moment. I want to get, give you living water. I wonder if some of us this morning, we look back on 2023 and Jesus is saying, hey, I want to give you some deep, profound peace. Before you jump to the easy, the quick, the like, I'm just going to turn the music up, turn the lights on, forget the year. Jesus says, no, if you will sit and remember it, with me for a moment I want to come and meet you in the midst of that if you want to bring the passage back up it continues blessed are the meek for they will inherit the earth this message of who God's creation is for who will inherit it it's not those who seek power and control to gain our world that as we look to situations like that in Ukraine with Russia Jesus would say, no, you don't get this. You're missing it. Blessed are the meek. Those are the ones who will inherit the earth. Continues, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Reflecting on our world in this currency, another situation, the situation in Gaza and Israel horrific terrorist attack on Israel that God would say that is not how we get power in my kingdom that is not how we operate he says no blessed in the midst of that are those who are mourning who are grieving and he'd also say hey blessed are the merciful this is not how we respond to that we don't come back with vengeance That is not how Jesus and his kingdom operates in response. Where again, it recalls more people, particularly women and children and babies, into situations of hardship. But this is the season where we are aware and acknowledge that. He continues, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. And that's the one we really want to sit in for a moment of blessed are the peacemakers for they will be called children of God. The sense that John says, hey, I'm preparing the way for Jesus to come. Advent is the season of preparing for Jesus to return. Those who are making peace, he'll come down and be like, oh, you're my children already doing the work in advance in preparation for me. That we are called as people to be doing this peacemaking work. And this peacemaking isn't always easy work. John as a peacemaker. If you want to bring up the, there's some photos coming out. There's John as a peacemaker. This is how it ended for him. Him proclaiming the kingdom that Jesus was bringing over and against the ways of the world operate ended with him beheaded. Like he lost his life in the peacemaking effort. 
two other figures in the middle. We've got Anwar Sadat, an Egyptian leader who in the 1970s was brokering peace between Israel and Palestine and got assassinated for it, lost his life in the pursuit of peacemaking. And not by the other side, by extremists on his own side saying, no, this isn't how we resolve this conflict. We don't do peacemaking work, we do annihilation work. We get rid of the enemy rather than resolve it. And the same, the, the last guy, Yitzhak Rabin, a Jewish leader in the 90s, doing peacemaking work, wanting the sense of actually how do we resolve this as two peoples assassinated by extremists on his side, saying, no, no, this is it. like, we don't do peacemaking work, we exterminate the other. That's how we get power and control and a kingdom in this earth. Yet this is the kind of peacemaking work that we're called to do. No matter how it might be received, we are called to live and act in a posture of waiting for Christ's return saying we, he has announced what his kingdom looks like. We are to live that way now in preparation for his return, doing this peacemaking work. And so how do we do that? What's our response? And I draw us back to John the Baptist. And our passage says, And so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness, preaching a baptism for repentance of repentance for the forgiveness of sins, that the whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him, confessing their sins, they are baptized by him in the Jordan River. That we're called to repentance, to orient ourselves, not the ways of the world or the ways of ourselves, but to orient ourselves around Christ and his kingdom. And John's message, Luke has the same story, but is quite a lot more pointed in it so I want to open the words of Luke on this passage where John responds to the people coming and it says, John said to the crowds coming out to be baptized with him, you brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Produce fruit in keeping with repentance and do not begin to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. For I tell you that out of these stones God can raise up children for Abraham. The axe is already at the root of the tree and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. For me this gives a sense of this picture of the people, like, the people of God in the story heard like, oh, John's coming and he's announcing our Messiah's coming. We've been under oppression for generations. The one's coming who's going to set us free. We're in. And John here says, you brood of vipers, you're part of the problem. You're complicit in the lack of peace in our world. Don't just come and say you want to be part of my plan. You actually have to live lives that reflect that. You have to be peacemakers that reflect my coming kingdom. You actually need to orient yourselves around Jesus. It's not just, yes, I'm in with this cause, a nice feeling, but you need to be transformed as well. And in this season, as we think about our world, the invitation is to see ourselves in the season of fasting as probably part of the problem. 
and to make known those places in our world and our lives where there is not peace, where there is conflict, where there is hurt, where there is brokenness. That may be areas that during the rest of the year we just kind of pretend everything's okay. We play nice and the season is like, actually let's address those areas because when the light of the world comes, he will address it. Probably good we get to it first and start doing some work. And this is not just to avoid condemnation, but it's so that we might experience true deep peace. Those areas of conflict and disagreement and brokenness in your life and in your relationships. Jesus says in this season, I want to come and make myself known in those places. If you orient your lives around me, I will come and meet you in those spaces. That the call is to repentance. That in the midst of this, as we're aware of the brokenness of ourselves and our world, we are called to repent. And John Climacus, this man from ancient church history, says this about repentance. Repentance is the daughter of hope and the refusal to despair. That in this season we're called to repent, not just because we realize there's some brokenness, but we believe that there's something greater on the other side, that it's worth bringing to the surface. It's worth bringing to light because God wants to bring hope. He doesn't want us to despair in the midst of it. This is the season to examine our lives. There's this extended quote I want to read from um, one of the books by Tish Harrison Warren that I've been reflecting on this week around this. And then it says, John came proclaiming God's imminent judgment on the venality of governments, the corruption of police departments, the greed of financiers, the selfishness of the rich, the self-righteousness of the religious establishment. There are cover-ups of all sorts. There are families that will not acknowledge the alcoholism that is destroying them. There are people who are making their loved ones miserable but will not go to a therapist. There are secretaries who cover up for bosses, business partners who cover up for each other, colonels for generals, bishops for clergy, parents for children. Advent is the season of the uncovering. Bear fruit that befits repentance. This is the right time to root out all the cover-ups in our own lives as we wait with bated breath for the lights to come on. And this is the good news. And the, the announcement of the angel that God is not against us, but for us. That we bring this stuff to the surface because God wants to come and bring peace and healing and hope and transformation into those situations. We sang the song earlier, which you may or may not have known, is Come Thou Long Expected Jesus. And it has these words, Come Thou Long Expected Jesus, born to set thy people free from our fears and sins release us. Let us find our rest in thee. This song was written by Charles Wesley, brother of John Wesley. And it was written out of an experience for him of going around preaching the good news around England and seeing the despair and the darkness of English society of that time, particularly around children in poverty and saying, man, 
Jesus, we await your return. We want you to come. Come and free us. So this morning, I want to invite us to consider the words of John the Baptist. That he is coming and he he came to prepare the way for us. That the season is a season of preparation. I want to invite us to examine our lives in this season. Are there places of darkness and despair and hope that we're just kind of avoiding or pushing away or not addressing and Jesus says will you let me come and address these situations with you you're settling for false peace you're settling for I just don't feel bad rather than a true peace that Jesus offers